Um, many of you are probably chomping at the bit to start our study of Mark's gospel. And I don't remember exactly what I said when I was here two weeks ago. But if I told you that we were starting that today, I apologize for misleading you. We are going to... Uh, postpone that for one more week because as I have been away I've been thinking and reflecting on something that I think is very important and I just felt uh, really overwhelmed to to touch on this matter that I have dealt with from time to time and I probably will deal with from time to time because it's such a an important issue for many of us and that is this matter of assurance uh, the assurance of the faith and the doctrine of assurance now <clears throat> this is a very important uh, for reasons that i think are quite obvious aren't they i think that we all everyone in this room who professes the name of christ without exception has probably had at least one moment where they where they struggled with doubt. Uh, some of us may struggle with this more than others, but surely uh, all of us have. And even as uh, we read and study our Bibles, we find example after example. I don't know if we would find anyone in the Scriptures save our Lord Jesus who did not at some point or other struggle with faith. And I think that this is the point of the apostle writing what he writes here in this letter uh, to uh, the churches where he says here in Colossians 2 that his struggle and that his hope for the church would be that it would reach the, the riches of full assurance. So Paul is, is cognizant that this is something that the church may be struggling with. And his hope is that the church might show the firmness of its faith in Christ. And so the crux of the matter today is this. Can you and I know that we are saved? Is this something that is just going to always be in limbo and we'll never know for sure, or can we know? And if so, on what basis can we know? If we don't know for sure, if we aren't assured of our faith, does that mean that we're not saved? And finally, is it possible that we may have a misplaced faith, that we may have false assurance in something other than what it should be in? Well, Scripture addresses all of these questions that we may have about faith. So let's look to God's Word and see what He has to say. <clears throat> I want to uh, consider this matter under a few headings this morning and the first will be the assurance of doubt 
the assurance of doubt. Now, that may sound strange or ironic, and you may wonder, well, what do you mean by that? Well, uh, this is what I mean. Have any of you ever struggled with doubt? Have any of you ever had uh, a, a, a moment or maybe moments where you asked, uh, am I am I saved? Uh, am I really a believer? Am I really a child of God? Well, in a rather unusual way, I, I want to give you some assurance. If you've asked those questions, that, in a strange way, is a good thing. Because uh, that puts you in the company, I think, with every other Christian who's ever lived. It's very typical. Uh, I think... And I'm tempted to say it's normal. I don't want to say that because I don't want doubt to be normal for us. I don't want us to think, well, I doubt my salvation, uh, but that's okay. It's not okay. But I think it's typical. I, I think every believer has times of doubt. And I hope that all of us can say that the goal for us, those of us who are in this church, is that as we grow in our faith, this would, this would be true less and less. I, I want us to, to grow and mature in our faith. But surely this is something that is typical of most every believer, right? Maybe at different times and in different ways for us as individuals, some may struggle with it more than others, but is there anyone exempt from doubt? If there is, I, I don't know. That's, to me, uh, maybe a possible dangerous situation there. <laughs> so doubt is typical. It's not normal. I'm not going to say that, okay? But it's, it's very typical. It happens. It doesn't make it okay. And we know this, as I mentioned, we see this in God's Word. We see examples. In fact, I want to share some of the examples that we see in Scripture of those who doubted. And, and what I want us to think, uh, first of all, is during the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now think about this, brothers and sisters. There were people who lived during the time of Jesus who saw Jesus do things who heard Jesus preach and teach. They saw miracles, and some of these people doubted. One in particular that I want to bring your attention to is one that I know you're very familiar with. It's in Matthew 14. Uh, Jesus' disciples are in a boat. He has sent them on ahead of him to cross the Sea of Galilee during the night while he went up on a mountain to pray. And... As it would happen, a storm came, and this storm began to batter the boat, and the disciples were very much afraid, afraid for their lives. And these are men who were fishermen. They were used to being in boats. <laughs> they were used to crossing this sea. But the storm comes up, and Jesus 
uh, and, and a lot of people miss this in the story, but the, the story, and I'm not going to take the time to read it. I don't even know how I'm going to get everything in that I want to say to you today, but we're going to try to, I may talk fast from time to time. But Jesus is on the mountain praying and he sees them. Okay. That's very reassuring. I hope you, you recognize how reassuring that is, that wh whatever storm you're going through, Jesus knows. He sees you. Okay. And so he comes to them walking on the water. Now, this is not normal is it people don't typically i don't know if you've ever tried it i've tried it i've never done it and so when the disciples see this what do they think this is a ghost but jesus speaks to them take heart it is i do not be afraid now <clears throat> those are very comforting words aren't they interesting Jesus is there. He's coming to them, walking on the water. Hey, it's me. Don't be afraid. But he did not stop the storm immediately. The storm rages on. The boat is still missing. And Peter, we all know what Peter does. Lord, if it's you, uh, tell me to come to you. And Jesus says, come. And guess what? Peter walked on the water. I got to tell you, that has got to be one of the coolest sensations. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I'll ever get to do that, but, but if I do, that would just be. But Peter is doing this, and you know the story. He's walking, he's coming to Jesus, he's walking on the water. And then the, the, the text uh, says that he began to see the wind. Now, you can't see wind, can you? I think what this means is that Peter begin to see the, the waves and the effects of the wind and the spray hitting him in the face. And I think it's really telling us that he took his eyes off Jesus in the midst of a storm. Don't take your eyes off Jesus. And, of course, he began to sink. And he, he says, Lord, save me. That's the best thing to say when you're in the middle of a storm. That's exactly what Jesus wants you to say. And of course, Jesus reaches out and takes him by the hand. But this is what Jesus said to him. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? We may think, Jesus, aren't you being a little heavy handed here? <laughs> Uh, but I think Jesus would probably take the, the perspective that we're taking. Uh, you've seen what Jesus can do. You just saw him feed 5,000 people with just, uh, uh, you know, a few loaves of bread. You can't do that. I mean, you've seen him heal. You've seen him cast out demons. You've seen all these things. And suddenly, Peter's human, right? What is interesting, brothers and sisters, is that after three years of seeing these things, of seeing Jesus do everything that he did, we would think, well, they would never doubt again, right? Especially after the death of Jesus, which he said was going to happen, and his resurrection, which he said he was going to happen. But, but this is at the end of Matthew's gospel, Matthew 28, 17. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. How? <laughs> no way. 
You know what you're thinking, and I know what you're thinking, because you know what I'm thinking. Well, if I had been there, I wouldn't have doubted. <laughs> so, so think about that. After all of the miracles and everything, uh, some doubted. And here's my point. If they doubted, those who were there, who saw it, who witnessed it, it's really not a stretch for us to think that we would doubt occasionally, is it? I, I mean... Surely, this is a part of what it means to be a believer. Uh, our faith has not yet been perfected. We're growing, growing in Christ, growing in our faith, and which means that from time to time we struggle. And that's, that's typical. <laughs> it's not normal. Typical. But I don't want to confuse you. I, I, I want us to recognize that though it may be typical, it's not okay. Don't think that doubting means you are lost, but at the same time, don't think that doubting is okay. Doubting is sin. And we are never to be okay with sin, are we? Romans 14.23 says, For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. James 1.6 says that the one who lacks wisdom should ask God, but it goes on, let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. It's interesting that James's illustration uh, is related to what was happening with Peter and those in the boat, isn't it? Doubt can wreak havoc on us. It, it buffets us like a, a boat in the storm and it just beats against us. And we need an anchor. And we have one. Doubt is typical, but it's not to be accepted. It's sin. Well, what do we do about sin? We confess. We repent. We ask the Lord's help. Uh, uh, another quick story i'll share with you this is from mark chapter 9 there was a man who had a demon possessed son he was mute and and had all kinds of issues and, and he uh comes to jesus and says but if you can do anything have compassion on us and help us and jesus said to him if you can all things are possible for the one who believes and you remember that man's statement don't you I believe. Help my unbelief. I believe. Help my unbelief. So, so you can believe and still doubt, right? One doesn't negate the other. It's possible to, to have both. And I think that's all of us. We believe, but there's still a, a bit of doubt. And so what do we do? Well, we, we confess. And we repent and we cry out to the Lord, just as this man did, Lord, help my unbelief. And so we recognize that doubt is a part of the walk of faith. It's, it's typical. We don't accept it, though. Uh, let's ask this question. Why do we doubt? I think all of us probably do 
all of us probably have. You may not be doubting today. You may not be in the middle of one of those storms, but all of us have. Uh, uh, where does this come from? Well, there are, I think, various places. Probably the first thing that comes to mind for me is trials. We all must endure various trials, right? We know this. We know that Scripture tells us this. First Peter 1.6 says that, in this you rejoice, and he's speaking about uh, our salvation in Christ, and he says, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Now, uh, the word that Peter is using here in, in this passage, uh, th these trials, when God is the agent, that is, when it is God that brings the trials, it is always for the purpose of proving us of showing our faith to be authentic, not pushing us away, but to prove us. God uses trials to prove us, to strengthen us, to show that our faith is genuine, as Peter says in the next verse, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so like gold uh, in their day, how did you know it was gold? Well, you heated it. You put it in a fire. You tested it. And that's what our faith is like. It, it, it's tested. It's got to be shown to be real, right? And how does that happen? Well, it happens in these trials. Now, that should encourage us. Though, none of us like these, do they? Do we? We don't like these trials. They're painful. But they should encourage us because they're ordained by God not to show that we will fail, but to show that we will succeed by His grace. That our faith is real. Uh, the enduring of a trial proves that you're a child of God. If he has sent a trial your way, it shows that you're his. Lost people don't go through trials. Lost people who don't believe, their faith is not tested, is it? I mean, they don't care. <laughs> Maybe you're here today in the middle of a trial that should encourage you that the Lord cares for you. He has brought this to you because of his great love for you and so we find verses very familiar to us in james chapter one can it all joy my brothers when you meet trials of various kinds for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing uh, peter goes on in chapter four of first peter Verses 12 and 13, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. That's what most of us do, though, isn't it? Why is this happening? This is not, no, <laughs> life should be easy. <laughs> but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings. The purpose of trials is to strengthen us, to to show that our faith is authentic, to bring us to maturity. Now, we want that, but we want it without the trials, don't we? <laughs> if I could just have this mature, strong faith, 
Read about some of these people in the Bible. If I had faith like that, we, we look in Hebrews 11 and we think, if I had faith like that, well, those people went through trials. <laughs> and as God's children, we're going to go through trials. And so it's good for us to say, okay, Lord, I know that you have sent this. I, I know that you are with me, and I know that you will give me the strength to endure this and eventually rescue us. Second Peter 2 9 says, The Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. If you're in a trial, at some point, there will be a rescue. God will step in and rescue. You can be assured of that. Those passages that are read to you speak of various trials and i take that to mean that uh, i'm not going to go through the same kind of trials as you and even me and you we're going to go through different kinds of trials it's not going to be the same test over and over is it they, they may get harder your faith is pr proven to be authentic in one case and then along comes another trial one day and when it comes, what do we say? Oh, I've been down this road before. This will be easy. <laughs> I know the answers. No. <laughs> there are various trials, some of them more intense than others. And there could be persecution, suffering for our faith. A and we know that... Uh, those who have had to endure that, it, it, it's very tempting, isn't it, to say, you know, if I wasn't so bold in my faith, if I wasn't a Christian, I wouldn't have to do this. And many have turned away. Just renounce your faith and this will go away. It's happened to believers throughout history. We've read the stories in different books Believers, uh, the, 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 the Voice of the Martyrs, Fox's Book of Martyrs. Let me tell you, this is coming to America. It's happening more and more. It's happening in Canada. It's going to happen more and more here. I hope you're prepared because it's going to get worse. Our, our trials could include physical suffering <clears throat> and pain and agony. And... Sometimes these things are prolonged and, and we wonder why. Lord, I've, I've prayed. <laughs> Take this away. God's not answering my prayers. Well, maybe I'm not one of his children. A am I saved? I've asked God to take this away and he's not. Many of you know this physical pain and suffering and then... And then there's loss. Loss of a, a family member, a, a parent, a child, a sibling. Those are painful times. Grievous times. A and our faith is, is weak uh, often in those times. And we, we ask, how, how could a loving, sovereign God allow this to happen to me? Maybe I'm, I'm not his. Maybe I, uh, maybe I don't belong to him. Uh, I, 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 I don't 
I don't understand. Many of you, you know this. Uh, perhaps there's the loss of, of dear ones or maybe financial loss. Lose a job. Lose something. Uh, and, and these these come, these times of, of loss, not to disprove our faith, but to prove that it's real. Because uh, uh, a, a true believer, when these things come, what do we do? A, a true saint goes to the Lord. Says, Lord, Lord, like Peter, save me. Help me. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. We draw closer to God and, and our prayers are intensified. And we may feel guilty about that. You know, I only my, my most fervent times of prayer when I'm in the midst of a trial. That's a good thing. That's what God wants. He wants you to be closer. We dig deeper into our Bibles and we, we draw closer to brothers and sisters. And the Lord always rescues us. And our faith after the trial is shown to be real. So we have doubts. It's typical. It's going to happen. Does it mean that one is lost because they have doubts? No. It means they're human. Our, our faith ebbs and flows. And doubt is common to us. But it's sin, and so we confess, and we repent, and we call out to the Lord for His help. We pray for Him to strengthen our faith. But we still may wonder, and we still may have the question, can I know? Can I know, or, or is this just, you know, I'll never really know. One day I'll die, and, and maybe I'll be in heaven, maybe not. Can I know? We, we want to know, don't we? <laughs> you may say, Brother Randy, I, I've, I've prayed. I've struggled, and it seems like I'm not getting anywhere. I, I'm easily downcast. And it seems like I'm always fighting this battle. I, I look around, and some of my brothers and sisters seem so confident, so assured, and yet I, I, I don't. I want that, and I don't have that. <laughs> I, I, I think I am. I, I feel like I'm saved. I, I uh, Stop and listen if this is you, okay? I, 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 I feel, I think, I wonder, I, 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 I. And the question always comes down to this. Are you going to trust yourself or are you going to trust God's word? Because if you are only saved when you feel saved, uh, I mean, that's not all, all of us all the time, is it? I mean, that's just not reality. Uh, do we believe what God has said and the overwhelming fact of Scripture tells us that every time God says He's going to do something, He does it? Noah, build an ark. I'm sending a flood. We've never seen a flood. <laughs> never had rain. Noah builds the ark and there's a flood. 
Moses, go down to Egypt. I'm going to set all my people free. Okay, God does it. I'm going to take them to Canaan. Well, here's the Red Sea. Well, okay, we'll just part the sea. I mean, God, every time God speaks and says he's going to do something, find a place in God's word where he, he didn't do what he said he was going to do. Even if you just found one, that's still pretty good. <laughs> you won't find one. Can he be trusted? Let me make that question personal. Do you trust him? The Lord does not want us to doubt. We can have assurance. We can know. This is an important phrase, isn't it? I know. And then fill in the blank. There's a lot that we know. There's a lot that I know about myself. I know I'm married to Stacy. I know I am Tyler and Madison's father. I know these things. I know that we have a gray car out there in the parking lot. How do I know that? Because I've got the key. Can I know that I'm saved? That I'm secure in the arms of Jesus? <laughs> in the same way that I know I have a gray car? Listen, brothers and sisters, I can know that more so than I know that I have a gray car. Because that car, everything that I have that's in my possession that I know is mine, those things are transient. Those things are passing away. But what I have in Jesus Christ is eternal. It'll never pass away. If we only had one book in our Bible, we could easily show that God wants us to have assurance of our faith, and that book is 1 John. Now, that's not the only book to support this argument, okay? It's not. We can support it all through Scripture. But I want to just show you a couple of verses in 1 John quickly. We have, for instance, 1 John 2, 3. And by this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. We are obedient, this verse says, not in the hope of gaining something, but because we have already received something. What does John mean? Perfect obedience? No, of course not. None of us are perfect, right? Our, our obedience is not perfected. Our faith is not perfected. But our disposition toward God has changed. And so in regard to his commandments, we, we delight in those things. We want to obey. John goes on, 1 John 2.13. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. 1 John 3, 2, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be like has not yet appeared. But we know, we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. That's not just some, some crazy imagination John says, we know this. What does it mean to know? You know, right? And many, many others 
in first john i encourage you to read this whole book it's five chapters it won't take you long but you'll find this over and over we know we know we know we know we know so can we know (laughs) can we be sure the overwhelming evidence from scripture is that yes we can be sure more sure of our salvation than any other thing that we think we know right now well, I want to close finally with <clears throat> a word of warning because there is such a thing as false assurance. It is possible for us to have misplaced faith and assurance and hope in something other than what our hope must be in, and that is the gospel, what God has done for us in Christ. The word of God. What are we most prone uh, or who are we most prone to trust ourselves right i might not can trust anybody else i can trust myself because i know me right and so a conversation may go like this so uh, are, are you a christian are you saved oh yes i'm saved how do you know i'm a good person or something like that. <laughs> I'm a good person. <laughs> you know the danger of that? Uh, good is a, a scale. And you might be a good person. But what's the standard? There's probably somebody out there better than you. I know there's somebody out there better than me. So we cannot trust our ourselves. We cannot trust our own obedience, our feelings. We lots of times trust our feelings, don't we? How do you know you're saved? I just feel like I am. What do you do when you don't feel like you are? Does that change it? I mean, is that is that how it is? Uh, today I feel good, so I am, and tomorrow I don't feel like so I'm not, and I am, and I'm not. And I'm, imagine a world like that. Some of you may, may know that. That is not to be the way it is for us. We don't trust our, our feelings. We don't trust ourselves. We don't trust anyone else. Kids, we don't trust our parents. You don't ask your mom and dad, am I a Christian? Oh, yeah, trust me. You're a Christian. You're a good kid. I, I don't know any kids better than you. You're a great kid. And we don't trust <clears throat> our preacher. Listen, don't believe the things that I stand up here week after week and say because I'm saying them. Say them because it bears witness with the word of God. Uh, this is what is speaking. <laughs> Don't trust me. I, I, I mean, I'm a nobody. Are you saved? Are you sure? Yes, my pastor said I am. Uh, that's not good. I mean, I'm flattered if any of you were to say that, but that's not, that's not the way this needs to work. <laughs> and don't trust your church. Now, I want to 
explain this one because there is a belief out there in some traditions, and I'm thinking now of the Roman Catholic Church that says, oh, yeah, you, you can't have assurance. But you can trust your church to get assurance. And that is by faithfully coming to the mask and participating in the mass and baptism and confession and the sacraments. And if you'll do those things, it's possible that you could be assured. If that's true, then who is it up to? It's up to you. Okay? And that is not the witness of Scripture. <laughs> However, and here we return to our text, which I know I have not spent much time on, but there is a very important point that I want us to see here in our passage, and it is this, this corporate aspect of assurance. The hope that the apostle has for the church as a minister of the gospel, is that verse 2, your hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Assurance, brothers and sisters, look at that verse very closely. In some aspect, has to do with the unity of the church. When we come together and our hearts are joined together, we somehow, some way, are encouraging one another in the faith. As I'm interacting with my brothers and sisters who encourage me, when I'm with them, my faith is strengthened. Your faith is strengthened. This is one of the reasons why we meet together, why we have fellowship. Our hearts, it says, are, are knit together. And when that happens, as we come into the unity of the faith, we reach the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. In other words, as brothers and sisters in the same congregation, what do we do for each other? How can we encourage one another in the faith and help one another in attaining this assurance of our salvation? We keep pointing one another to Christ. Our hope is in the gospel. I want you to see that my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And I see that in you, and that encourages me, that strengthens me. I know that I'm not just out here on an island by myself, but God has called us together. And we all have these times of struggle, don't we? We come together and we, we share our hearts Brother Shane did with us Thursday night. He, he shared his heart. What, a, what an encouraging time it was. I, I left a much stronger person than, than when I came. That's the, the mystery of the body coming together as we continually point one another to Christ. Our only hope. Our sure and steady anchor of our souls. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful for your word and how we pray now for your blessing upon this time of communion as we join you at your table 
We pray that you would continue to work in our hearts. We thank you for the good news of the gospel, and our hope is in nothing else. We pray, Lord, that you please continue to strengthen your church today. In Jesus' name, amen.